Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Joey Say Podcast. I'm Joey Lisea, and today I have a very special guest with me. His name is David. And David is a guy I met uh, working at Costco. Um, I was walking into the cooler, and you were walking. Out. David was walking out of the cooler, and he was holding his ear. And I was like, do you need help with anything? And you were telling me that, I guess, the cold hurts your ear. And from there, we got into religion. We got into rock and roll. We got into... We spent an hour talking. Uh, and well, so kind of back up, back up a little bit. Yeah. The cold hurts my ear because I was smart enough at one point at the Castro Gay Pride Fair uh, party the night before on ecstasy to sit inside of a speaker because my favorite song was playing and I blew out <laughs> that eardrum. Wow. Um, and I don't know if, if anybody that's listening, yourself, has ever been there. And this is back. This is back in the old day when literally the city shut down uh, from Thursday on for for this event. Uh, the Castro, the, the night before the Castro party is huge. It's like, it's like, it's like a sardine can full of people and music and it almost looks like a Mardi Gras. People are hanging out windows and everything. It's just amazing at that time. And this, I'm going back to about 90 something, maybe 97. So EDM wasn't even, it was techno and maybe at the most crystal method and uh, a little bit of all that was happening. Um, right. So it was few and far like really great songs and this one just was my favorite so in my highness i thought it'd be a really good idea to sit in the speaker um because they were that big and then i blew it right out so, wow. so that's how i always have to duck in really fast because the cold just that's just part of it wow that was 97 and what what was the what or was so the, uh... I, it's like really vague like it was, was like i said when edm was Pop was just happening, and maybe uh, there wasn't very, there weren't that many undergrounds yet. Mm-hmm. It was kind of just, just, just on the forefront of happening. So that's how you blew out your ear. That event, that time, yeah. And from that situation, from that conversation we had, I wish we, we could have recorded that conversation we had. That would have been a really cool conversation to record. But yeah, uh, really. yeah, you you got into um, uh, rock and roll in the beginning of your uh, childhood. You, you were saying you were telling me that uh, David Bowie he influenced you you as a as a teen as a teenager. Um, it was actually if you want to know the whole story. Yeah, um, I was sixteen years old. I had been going to dance clubs since I was fourteen. And about sixteen, a friend. A friend of my brother and mine and another friend 
introduced us to a, a place called Jerry's Hole. It was downtown, bottom of Washington. It was a little uh, dive gay bar. I wasn't old enough to get in. I had to jump. I had to sneak in. And if the cops came, I had to jump a chain link fence. Then you had to run up and hide until they left. And then you just jump it back. And they had an outdoor pit. And that's where we hung out. And that's where I was introduced to Glitter Rock. A lot of these people would come in with, I was introduced and they they had their Rod Stewart haircuts and Bowie haircuts and some uh, some satin on and some some platforms. And we started hearing this this music and it was Bowie and um, just, you know, Martha Hoople, um, T-Rex, just hearing this great music. And um, like I said, I, I was always, I had to be like pretty much outside by the fire pit. And that's where kind of everybody hung out that was into that scene because if the cops came, I had a jam. Mm -hmm. They came for no reason whatsoever. They just would come and bust it. I mean, no rhyme or reason. My brother was old enough to go. I was not. So um, that's where I met these people. Uh, One friend, two friends, is one friend is actively still in my life. I met her there. Uh, another friend is not, but uh, there's a story there too. Um, but um, I don't think I'm at liberty to tell that story. Let's just say um, he was a he then. Mm. And probably one of the first uh, sexual reassignments in San Diego. Wow. And um, just we, we just hung out. And here's where we met, <coughs> excuse me, these people. and. They were, it was amazing to be around people that actually made me feel like I'm supposed to be here. I didn't feel like a freak. I didn't feel, I felt, um, this puts this way, Sunday morning, we started thinking about what we were going to wear next Saturday, just (laughs) to be with these, with our friends. And um, there was parties on Abbott in Ocean Beach. Um, just like amazing little things. I saw, I was invited to a garage screening in Ocean Beach on a sheet. Uh, my brother, a friend of ours, myself, to see Pink Flamingos and the Diane Linkletter story to John Water, bootlegs which he found rather amusing when I saw him in San Francisco and I told him about it. And he said, that's like the only way to see a John Waters movie is bootleg in a garage on a sheet. And this was like in an auditorium. And he said, that was like, like so hilarious. And he was asking me, when was this? And I said about 73, 74. Because we saw Bowie, um, which will come up later, probably within a year or around that time. So it was just, I started realizing this boy from El Cajon who pretty much had been bull. I didn't, I just kind of didn't fit. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much bullied up pretty much all through my life to the point where it just kind of was rhetoric. Um, found people he fit with. And I am really, I was, I'm really fortunate to have great parents. 
who were who kind of just stared at us as we left the house many of the times. But like I said, all that comes further. It could be a very long interview and it can be very short. But to make a long story short, this is where I was introduced to those people. And um, they are, it was amazing. It was, um, it wasn't, it was a gay bar, but it wasn't gay. It was like, and I don't mean that in a very, any kind of wrong way for 2022. It was just people. Like the fact that guys and guys were dancing, girls and guys were dancing in this tiny little dance floor, that really wasn't part of it. The part was just people being kind of outrageous and something new. And the music was amazing and we heard on the radio, but here now we were talking to people that actually saw these people live and so on, like uh, T-Rex and so on. So, you know, everybody started banding together and you started getting to know everybody. And it was basically drinking in the parking lot and sneaking back in. Because um, we were no, nobody was old enough to buy from the bar yet. And let me tell you, it was a mix of almost all of San Diego was in there from early drag queens to the Tijuana drag queens that you literally hid from because they were mean. They're <laughs> shanking a hot minute. Oh, but they were beautiful. But they were mean. Like literally, people, you just learn, clear the way. And they just would take over one whole side of the bar. But you never really went into the bar if you were not of age. It was the wrong place to be. Because um, like I said, you needed to jam sometimes. And um, so take it from there, start asking questions. That's kind of like just the foreground. Imagine a huge cement circle with fire where my uh, plastic platforms, thongs that I had made melted, which was really hilarious. <laughs> Long story. But um, we had to be very inventive. We had to be very, very inventive. A lot of times we made our own clothes in a week. Out of satin, badly made, but we were looking pretty hot for us. <laughs> So Jerry's Hole, that was the spot, Jerry's Hole. That was it. And there was maybe about, I would think maybe about four other bars, active gay bars. But that was the one that attracted that gang. Um, I can't, I know there was Bradley's downtown near Horton Plaza, and I believe that was more Marine. I can't remember. I didn't go towards that direction. I stayed where we were at. Only because I knew the people and that was my safe zone. And next to that, it was house parties, usually on Abbott. And I forgot who it is that lived on Abbott. I can find out probably if I dig. Um, and then um, wherever we were invited or asked to go or, or whatnot. And it was short-lived. It wasn't long. We weren't there long. By 17, I had a fake ID. I was out. I was totally at another place. So all of this took place between pretty much in a year. Uh, meeting these people. And then it had to have been 74 because um, Diamond Dogs or 
basically Bowie's concert that we went to was uh, September 11th in 1974, San Diego Sports Arena. And um, my brother, my friend, and I, I had on these really high platforms that um, um, I actually had to be held up to to walk in them because they were super high. And we're walking up the stairs to to get into um, the sports arena and BBC interviewed us. And yeah, we were... We were looking pretty good. <laughs> we looked up. We had our, we had our uh, dressed appropriately. Our satin homemade outfits and our platforms, our plataformas, and um, um, I tried to make a grand entrance onto the floor. So I made my brother, and my friend, let go of me. Where I ended up just falling flat on my face because I could not walk in these shoes. I still have them. <laughs> I still have the platforms. Uh, they're huge. Like I, I, everybody says, how can you walk in those? I, I said, you literally can't. Um, I remember I paid $48 from the JJ shoes, Ashton Valley. <laughs> what year was this? Uh, 74. 74 as well. Everything, like I said, everything happened like within a year. Like oh, it, was okay. a, it was fast uh, because like I said, I was in, I was late or mid 17s by the time that I had gotten my fake ID um, or 18. I'm trying to think. Um, late teens. No, I did not have a fake ID. I was with my best friend and we actually snuck into a bar. Uh, I, I at that time, a dance bar, because glam rock was starting to mix with uh, disco started, mm, okay. um, and then it was pretty much underground R and B disco. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it had not been infiltrated yet by the masses. It was pretty much dancing to uh, Curtis Mayfield, James, James Brown. Um, but again, gay orientated. So it's a totally different spectrum, another whole side. Uh, the Bowie thing, I have to tell you, I just spoke to a friend, a really close friend of mine, uh, back east, and she sent me a beautiful picture of Bowie. And I, it made me reflect on the fact that I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for. Bowie and Diamond Dogs. That's the first concert. Mm -hmm. It was the first time I realized that I, I did belong on this earth. Uh, there were people, everybody was, everybody was able to express themselves and be who they were. Nobody judged you, nobody bothered you, nobody said a thing to you. Uh, if you got a stare down, that meant you looked really good. Um, if nobody looked at you, then that was like the, that was like the worst thing. Nobody paying attention to you is the worst. Somebody's staring you down, you know that you were looking really, really good, and they were jealous. Oh wow! And so that was kind of like what we were going for. Right. But everybody belonged, and that's when I realized um, I was. It, it just opened a huge door, and all of us have spoken about this too. All of us that are still friends from those days. 
it did open uh, the doors to our own creativity and each one of us to this day are, is very unique in their own ways. We might be a little bit older or a lot older, but we're also still individuals and very creative in our own ways. Um, but I have to tell you, Joey, that um, if it wasn't for that period, had I not somehow ended up there, I may not be here. Wow. Uh, it was, I, I was that much of a, I just didn't fit. It wasn't until I saw that. And it was just creative freedom, just freedom. And then once, you know, um, once the lights went up and you actually saw this person who you heard so much about, and here he was touching himself, touching other, touching his band members, uh, having these dancers on like the longest leashes doing diamond dogs. And, you know, you're just realizing, wow, this is, this is not even, it was just uh, almost like here's this demigod mm-hmm. and he's like, He's here. One time, I think it was the second show here, which I think was in 76. We actually followed his car all the way to LA. Don't ask me what we were, why we decided to do that. We saw him get into a limo, we followed it. Don't ask me where we thought we were going. <laughs> I think it was just a presence of being able to drive behind, behind him. He meant that much. And in between then, also... There was a bar on Pacific Highway called JJ's. And that's where we saw the New York Dolls, um, which was another huge awakening. Uh, I did get backstage on that one. And I had a hand, red hand sequined belt that David Johansson borrowed that never gave back. I want it back. <laughs> I want that belt back. And um, one of my closest friends, to today was in the audience. We knew each other, but we didn't know each other. She saw me backstage. I remember she was just glaring at me. I don't know where my brother was. I don't know if he got backstage, but I was just sitting on the side watching the show. And I have to tell you again, uh, you can't compare Bowie to the New York Dolls. But I have to tell you, the New York Dolls were the most... I actually felt like I was in the living room. It was that comfortable. Um, and they literally had just one album, their first one. You're talking or, about backstage or on like seeing them play, it felt like that. I was uh, back. I was, I'd gotten backstage, but I was sitting on the side of the stage watching them play. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Okay. It felt like so they, they were like, Yeah. And it was just a flat stage. It was just, it was just, you know, on a platform. And I actually probably just walked myself up. I was, I've always been super brave. I have met every single artist I've ever wanted to meet. Um, I was managed somehow to, to meet them. Um, there's just a couple few, um, but they're still alive and so am I, so there's still time. 
I may meet them. <laughs> but, um, um, David Johansson was cool. Um, Sylvain was, was my favorite. He was very, very talkative. And, I, and Johnny Thunders was cool. And I did actually run into him again at the Bothell. Years later, when he was touring on his own, so the circle kept going because that was punk rock days, and that was a whole different little period. So you saw a lot of those bands back then. Yes. You um, tell me about Blondie. Tell me about that. Yeah, that was at the Mask in LA. Uh, San Diego actually had it had it going on. It was just. It was a different, it was difficult. It was kind of like punk rock high school. It was like very clicky. At first it was not. When the Skeleton Club first opened, it was not. And this is when like X was on the bill for maybe three bucks. You know, like these uh, bands were able to play. So you just went. A lot of times they were just, they were just a band that played once and never played again. Um, and um, it was kind of, it was nice, it, it was small. And then, like I said, it just became a little more uh, stereotyp stereotypical punk rock, you know, the leather jackets, uh, skinheads, and so on. So, uh, and then it kind of became more clicky, more like a high school type thing. Like, you were with this gang who didn't like this gang. That, like this gang that didn't like you. Um, you know, the whole poser bit, like, yeah, you were born that way too. That one never really made sense to me. Uh, when they were, I had been called a poser and maybe I was, but come on, nobody was born punk rock. It was stupid. I had known mm -hmm. about, I knew already Going into that, I knew about Malcolm McLaren and Vivian West for creating their pulling source sex, and from there creating the sex pistols. Um, I like the music. Uh, what can I say? I like the music. I didn't like the violence, but I liked the spectacle that was made. Again, we, you know, I was in a group where you stood out. Every group I was into, whether it was from glitter, glitter glam, to the disco age, uh, which you kind of skid through uh, punk rock, which was, again, another form of spectacle. Um, then it quiet, quieted down a bit. And then EDM, again, that became more of a spectacle, especially when Underground started in LA and you, I don't know if you're familiar, familiar with the EDMs that had the map points. No. That's where like, um, you'd have to go to like the Texaco on Washington and say a word or have a t-shirt on and they would give you a piece of paper and that directed you to another area. And usually between two to four map points you had to go to in order to get the directions to the underground that would be in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. And those were the very first undergrounds where people really did dress. Very much a, a club kid. Oh, wow. Those are, that was fun, too. I've never heard of that before. 
yeah, map points were really interesting. And I ended up, one of my roommates was one of the first uh, young ladies to create undergrounds in San Diego. Um, I remember so many nights walking in, you know, to her underground where she would just throw the cash backs box at me and say, get out, because they were getting raided. Like, again, it was underground. It was underground. They were getting raided. I just put it in my jacket and went home. I mean, um, there's a lot that I should have done bullet points because <laughs> I know I'm going all over the place. Well, yeah, that's my that's my question for you. So that's called Matt points. When you would there there be were, a secret show, were, like a secret show. There were secret undergrounds. Well, what is this um, underground? What is underground? Just a meeting rave, place. Uh, rave. 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 Yeah, rave. Okay. Okay. So it'd be like just yeah, and they were called, they were underground raves at that time. They were illegal. So you had to get map points. Sometimes the map point would take you all the way to Long Beach to take you back to San Diego. It just depended. It depended sure. on who was putting it on. But they were very popular, extremely crazy. Uh, and sometimes weekends, like a weekend long. Um, lots of drugs. Um, the most popular were in DTLA. That's in downtown Los Angeles were the most popular ones. And that's usually where you ended up, between Long Beach and, DT and downtown Los Angeles. And that was for the underground rage when that started. And that was very interesting again, because then again, people dressed in these wild clothes that they would pick up anywhere from thrift stores to uh, flights back to New York City, where I, I, I never went to New York. I did have a friend. She liked going to the limelight. Uh, and that's when that first started. So it was, uh, again, you know, West Coast being, East Coast being a little bit more advanced than the West Coast. Um, but then I kind of just pulled away from that also because I got older and had to adult. And that kind of was like the last thing mm -hmm. uh, that I can actually tell you that was um, eventful. That's really interesting. I never heard of that before. That was pretty cool. I um, could connect you with, if you want to get deep into that, I can connect you probably with uh, the, my ex-roommate. There was a, I don't know what I'm allowed to say or not say on here because of whether they're copyrighted or not. But at one time there was a super great club that would happen here. and. Um, it happens, it turned small and eventually it was held at the sports arena by a local gentleman. It was so much fun. Um, they were huge. They were huge and they were fun. Um, they were in I sports arena? Uh -huh. They were in sports arena? Yes, it was that big. Oh, wow. They started small and but then he began being able to just fill it, and he did. And it would be like for everything from fashion shows. That's where I came in. I, I remember my hair history. I would do the the hair for some of the fashion shows because it was a little bit of everything: fashion, dancing, uh, a lot of dancing, a lot of fashion, a lot of just everything happening all at once. And again, 
dancing, looking like a spectacle, or being very beautiful, one or the other, <laughs> like every other, every uh, like everything else. Right. The most beautiful people you just stare at, from punk, from glam rock to punk rock, the beautiful stood out. Average, you just did your best. <laughs> Jeez, wow, that's that's really interesting. That's crazy. Um, punk rock being the most unacceptable as far as people being great. I met some amazing friends. I still have them from those days. Um, all the rest, super accepting. Uh, very, very accepting. Um, glam rock. Um, the undergrounds. Uh, really fun. Just people just, well, the undergrounds were especially because of ecstasy and so on. You know, it just made you nice. It was very hard not to be. Punk rock, though, in between all that, there were some pretty wild shows up in Los Angeles. Especially at a club called Godzilla's. But, like I said, that, that goes around. Let's just say I pretty much touched everything. If I dove into anything, I probably dove the deepest into punk rock only because I liked it so much. The music was great and it reminded me again of the individualism of glam rock, except it was kind of opposite. Instead of making yourself as glamorous as possible, you ended up looking as horrific as possible, but still, it was fun. It was an amazing time. Still have amazing, really close friends from those days. And um, I'm probably the most reflective out of all. And I read a quote not too long ago about, I go to the past often because I wish to revisit old faces. Um, I don't think I ever really fought a fight, but I fought, but I started many. And that was a whole different thing. Like punk rock, when I when it first started here in San Diego, it wasn't violent. Um, as it got a little bit older, it did, and that was just from um, in my point of view was from because you'll hear many many point of views. Mine was um, just outside outside bands coming from different parts of California, of Southern California. Huntington Beach, Church County, that just didn't get along with San Diego. And, um, you know, there were outstanding bands. I think um, people are more familiar probably with X than any other band that came out of that whole genre. They were probably one of the last ones to be signed and probably the most prolific and insanely good bands um, that came from that whole genre. You're talking about X? Um, the, the band's called X? X. Their first album's called Los Angeles. And they just continue to push themselves and create music that really wasn't uh, that it just ended up being very creative. They're very creative. They'll be here um, soon, I think. Okay. They'll be in San Diego. Definitely go. Check, try to check it out. 
Y'all look up, look them up. Yeah. Um, great band. I think I remember at one point I had 24 stubs from seeing them. Because they were, you <laughs> wow. know, LA bands played here a lot because it was just a two hour. Right. But then, then it was maybe like a two and a half hour drive. So it was easy. It was easy to get down here, make money, play for a new group of people, make, you know, make a new fan base. Um, mm. And we were able to see some of that genre. Some pretty cool people popped into. Um, to San Diego, UK subs, Nina Hagen, cool people, some just interesting, interesting bands. Um, and like I said, again, was I in the inner circle? No, I had good friends, but I pretty much, I was there for the fun because it was an enormous amount of fun and for the music. But going back, um, Bowie being the Bowie and the catalyst. I mean, literally, um, I again going back to this whole thing of him always being on everyone's lips, and and then the concerts, and then um, just the buzz how. The buzz before and after Bowie or Rod Stewart or Elton John or somebody coming in mm-hmm. to town to do a concert um, was always such a letdown um, because we were so excited that somebody was coming. And literally, we spent weeks getting ready for that one, for those shows. And then it would happen, and then we were just let down. Like, okay, we're being, like now we just had to hang out with each other. Wow. Whereas, like with punk rock and then disco, EDM, there was something happening almost every night. If it wasn't at somebody's house, it was at a disco and or EDM, it was like every weekend, um, midweeks, and then it became a little more popular and little clubs, legal clubs started popping up where you could hear some good music. Uh, by the time that it became more popular, I was spending, my best friend had moved to, um, this would probably be an 80-some. Uh, my best friend had moved to San Francisco. And so um, I was doing a client at the time who was a pilot, and she put me on her family plan. So I was up there. I would leave work on Saturday and come home Tuesday morning. And we would go to the end up in South America and the detour. And from there, just find different clubs. And that's where you start. That's when I started hearing this new music. Um, that could the end up a mainstay would be like ministry and tucked in with some uh, 424, front 24, front 242 to some new EDM music we never heard. I mean, like we would be dancing from ministry to REM. I mean, like the mix was really bizarre, but it was something new. Uh, CD Little Club was my favorite. Um, I have the best memories there. So San Francisco was more advanced in, in, in music when it came to... At that time. Mm-hmm. I think now, I haven't been up there in a long time. My best friend's still up there. Uh, we... We outgrew that. I don't even know. I'm sure there's dance clubs. He does not go to them anymore. I don't. 
mm. here. I danced in my living room. I danced myself. Right. Wow. Um, that was a, that was an era. That was a time. That's interesting. Punk rock, glam rock. That's interesting. Like you said, they're they're two opposites. I like that. And then what was that quote you said earlier? You said you you uh, you you think of the past because you you want to remember. I go. I, I I'm accused. I'm accused of going back into the past very often. And I had read something. I think it's to remind myself because you have to remember in between all that. There was some not so good things that happened. I was stabbed. I was in a car accident. A lot of things. Hmm? Sorry, I'm, my wife is helping me move the video. Cool, we're good. <laughs> no, I'm um, sorry. Um, um, so I like that quote. I like that quote. You, you, you were saying you think of the past. Just to revisit, revisit old faces. Revisit old faces. I love. That you have quote. to remember also too. At a point, being in here, uh, I was. I was in the business when um, a dear friend and I were reading the newspaper on a Sunday and down at the bottom of the San Diego paper, there was a tiny little fill-in about a gay cancer that they found in New York. And we were staring at it. We were just staring at this article. Gay cancer. We were at my brother's house. And um, within a year, AIDS was full blown. Oh, I and see. so that was something. That was something outrageous. I think at last count, I've lost fifty-seven friends to that alone. What year was that? Um, what year did you see that, that headline? That gay cancer headline. That was in a San Diego paper. It wasn't on a headline. It was a fill-in, little fill-in down at the bottom. But what like, year was that? Oh gosh, um, it was eighty something. I can't, I can't tell you exactly on that one. That's um, interesting, because I do remember we didn't know about condoms yet. We didn't know that it was not called AIDS, and um, you could feel. You could feel um, it wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't whispered about for a while, and then the whisper started, and then the word started, and then your friends started getting sick, and then a name was was placed on it, and then ways to prevent it was placed on it. And at that time, in that time, once AIDS was just blowing up and just taking some of my friends out, like literally in three months, it was just fast. I became really active with a group called ACT UP um, who believed in voice and <laughs> voice and voice and protests being our our biggest ally and mine was all about just keeping the AIDS hospices open opened I had by that time I had become had lost so many friends or friends that were sick and yes like a certain television program that was on television I remember going to UCSD it was the only hospital that had an AIDS ward um, and seeing trays outside the door of 
of food that the nurses would not take into the patients. And I'd be in there visiting friends. So I would ask, did you eat this? And they said, no, it was just left there. Do you want to eat it? And I would bring it in. I'd already lost some friends. I knew. I knew I knew the ground rules already. Um, I knew not to touch open wounds. I knew not to, I knew what to do. Right. Um, that was, that was probably the most humanizing experience because there were strangers that you're bringing their food into because the nurse would not enter the room. Because they thought that just being, breathing in the same room with them yes. would expose them. Yes. Wow. It's kind of like what coronavirus was in the beginning. Like people didn't exactly. know what was going on. Exactly. And um, crazy. I would end up cutting their hair, um, writing letters. A lot of them were Hispanic. I would write letters in Spanish for them. Um, my first friend who passed away, um, we had to bring a group. We just had to bring as many friends as we could because his parents refused to attend. Um, there was no one to go. And he was an amazing person. He was very funny and charming. And um, little by little, um, and at that time, Hillcrest was tiny. It was tiny. Fifth Avenue was the one street to hang out on. And during punk rock, believe it or not, Fifth Avenue was also the street. Really? Because <laughs> um, it had the chicken pie shop and the guild. And unless you're familiar with this, and you've got to be pretty old to be familiar with the guild and Blue Door Bookstore. What Blue Door Bookstore was essential to anybody because in punk rock days, that's where they sold NME magazine, a music magazine, and music magazines from London, which were like essential for us because it had band names and recommendations or records to look for up in LA before great record shops like Lou, Lou's Records up in, up in Encinitas open. And that was the Treasure Trove and you know, Cajon Blue Mini Records. It was all these vinyl places started carrying our music. Um, so I was kind of like in the middle. I was going here and going there. But that little area was a hub for punk rock. It was a hub for um, it was up for the disco gay area. It's not what it was now. It was tiny. Mm -hmm. And literally Fifth Avenue was all you had. And um, it's interesting when, uh, when you just think about the fact that just doing something that's human nature to all of us left me... Uh, wishing I could hear certain friends laugh one more time. They had just the most infectious, perfect laugh. Or uh, to see, uh, I lost a very close friend, uh, like a brother. Um, just, uh, <laughs> you know, just to hang out again. Um, so it's just like a lot, you know, like in this time, here, I for the longest time, I thought there wasn't much reason or purpose. And then I look back and I realize, wow, just the fact that I made it. Because literally, I shouldn't have. I was a big asshole. Always have been. <laughs> um, 
You just said it out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's the truth. Right, I mean, you're like, a sad moment. You're like, <laughs> what can I? But what can I actually say? I was, no, and I was no, very no, lucky to be here. It's just funny, yeah. No, extremely definitely. lucky to be here. Because yes. no, and every and all those all those time periods, I was a big help. Interesting enough, I think I don't remember if I, you and I spoke about the part about Jerry's Hole, the glam rock. Club. You, you mentioned it to me, but I don't. I remember you were telling me a story about how you ran away. Okay, I was sixteen, and then getting into my sexuality, and I was attracted to these older guys, and I didn't understand why they wouldn't talk to me. And then it was brought to my attention: I'm illegal. I'm oh, not legal because you're underage. Underage. Gotcha. I was attracted to them. And literally two would laugh at me and say, you gotta wait a couple of years, you gotta wait a couple of years. And I actually had to question a good friend about that. I was naive in a boisterous way. And that's when he said, you're chicken, which meant underage. He goes, they're not gonna touch you. And um, I've often thought about that, you know, like, we, you know, in my day, I didn't know about it. And a mm -hmm. lot of my friends were the same way. A lot of my friends that were my age, it was a group of us. There was maybe about eight of us that knew each other by name or were really good friends. We were not old enough to be there. Everybody that we liked was older. And um, they want, they, even if they wanted to, they were not, to, mm -hmm. they were not. They spoke to us and they partied with us. But that's it. Um, Very responsible Luckily, years, a few couple years later, I did run into all of them and absolutely had a great time. Right. Right. Hey, and that's crazy that, uh, I mean, that's cool that you're around some really responsible men. Because <laughs> some people, you know what I mean? Uh, like, always, uh, <laughs> irresponsibly responsible. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's really cool. I mean, at least, I mean, maybe, it's, you know, it, that's how it goes. That's how it's supposed to be. Um, I don't. I take everything hour by hour, so whatever's meant to be, happens. Right. Um. I've literally, I think I've stopped breathing five times in my lifetime. Three times I did see something bright. <laughs> When, when I got stabbed, that was an interesting story because I did see uh, four people on each side of me, eight pairs of hands on me on each side. And I could feel them pushing me down. And I did see a really bright operating light. And then I came to in the hospital. And I remember my friends, this is punk rock days because I remember my friend, my three friends came in with a bottle of Jack Daniels. I had a single room. We just started drinking. And here I am with these stitches going at me. Wait, wait, back up. Why did you get stabbed? <laughs> uh, wrong place, wrong time. I was stopped on the way home from a Madness concert in LA. I stopped at this gay bar, this most popular gay bar. And I was just having a drink before I went home. I was invited to an after-hours party. And there, um, it was somewhere by Balboa Park. Um, this guy, I guess he thought I was hitting on his guy. No, I was not. I was just talking. 
I was talking to people. Um, but actually, the real story was, no, actually, no, I was not coming back from LA. I'm sorry. I had a madness teacher around that I did get in LA. I'd gone to visit my two best friends. They were living in my apartment. And I had mentioned something to them concerning a film about a girl who gets murdered before I left the house. And that night I did get stabbed. That was that story. I'd forgotten about that. I had a Madness t-shirt on. Um, Madness so being at that bar a, was a movie? different story. It's a Pardon movie. Me? It was, you had a, a Looking movie. for Mr. Goodbar was a movie. And that was a t-shirt you had on? No. I had a Madness t-shirt on. I mixed my story up. I'm sorry. Um, I had the t-shirt on from a previous concert. Um, I was thinking back at two different times that I had the t-shirt on that I was at the same place. Mm-hmm. That night, I stopped by just to visit. And it was my old apartment. And my best friend had moved in with her girlfriend. And I had mentioned something about Mr. Goodbar. And that night was the night that I got stabbed. And it was kind of ironic. I don't recall the person. It could be you. It could be your brother. It could be your uncle. I have no, I have no idea what they look like. Blacked it out. Um, and that was a really bizarre thing that happened. Um, but see, like, again, that that's in a totally different subtext because there's, uh, there's a car accident in there, too, that happened. That There's several things that happened where um, just wrong place, wrong time, which could be, it could definitely be a whole different interview because I have so many stories of the wrong place, wrong time. Um, So many. Um, And some hilarious, some super, super funny. Um, The example being uh, a punk rock show at North Park Lions Club. Uh, My best friend at the time, a good friend of mine, she was quite boisterous. And um, she was in some cop's face. He handcuffed her and put her in the back of the car. And a fight started on the other side. It's kind of like that thing, looking, everybody was looking to the right. I was left alone on the left. So I my friend in the car, so I just opened the door and she got out. We literally spent two days going around San Diego with her handcuffed until we found somebody that could unhandcuff her. Whoa. And that was actually so much fun. It was hilarious. Whoa, that's uh, a cool story. <laughs> that friend I have probably I had the most fun with in my entire life. Damn. Uh, that's a how we're still both alive is beyond me. That's a good friend right but, there. That one that she is hilarious. No, I mean, you are that's a good friend to get to open the door. <laughs> But you know what? Like, I couldn't leave her. And that's a that was that's a really cool story. I mean, I've never. I mean, I've seen them. Um, they did. There's a video going viral recently of a kid on the beach. It happens to a kid on the beach where this this one kid, like a, a you know one of those cop cars on the beach, puts him in the back of the car, and there's a crowd. And the guy, I don't know where the cop went, but the, there's this crowd. One kid comes out of the crowd, opens the door, 
and the kid starts running with cuffs on, like down the opposite yeah, way. Basically and the whole crowd runs runs with them. So like even if the cops had to run, they couldn't they couldn't find this kid because it's a crowd. There's like a crowd of kids now, you know. Well, something a ruckus started, big ruckus started, and so everybody went. I got her out. We went the opposite. We just ran the opposite way. It was in um, Lions Club. Is up was near Elkhorn Boulevard in North Park, and we may have ran like towards Idaho. Yeah, I don't remember. We just ran, and we literally spent two days trying to find somebody to get us out, which That's was crazy. I had a feeder. I had a feeder, and everything. It was hilarious. <laughs> and then, of course, we had to stay drunk. Right, and our, of and course. Back in those days. Keep our choice, our, literally, our choice of high was a bottle of NyQuil and an old English 800. Because you could walk around the store pretending you were shopping, sip them both, and walk right out. Nobody knew the wiser then. There weren't that many cameras, you got to remember. Uh, Long right. way back. Okay. Somebody handcuffed. No. <laughs> Wasn't that easy. Right. So um, it was pretty funny. So, so her and I got you, into so, so how, how, many, how did you get it out? How did you get who did you find to get? We found we found a friend who pretty much um knew somebody that started him off. Ah, okay. And we it was a friend that it was a group of people that didn't necessarily like us. And I was really surprised that they helped us. And um Or maybe they liked her. They didn't like me. I don't. I, you know, it was. I don't know why they, we were helped, but thank God we were. There were people you were. You were at least. You were the last, last people you would expect to help you in a situation like that. Or to or where to guide us. They kind of guided us where to go. Haphazard, you know, like kind of like half-assed type thing. It was. You know, it is. It was what it was. Um, I look at it now, and it's silly that we couldn't have been friends. Uh, it was just, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I um, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. It's behind me. I can't mm-hmm. do anything about it now. I can, I can relate to that hundred percent. Right. A lot of people in my life like that. So no questions at me. I'm, I'm ready. Like whatever you want to know about what well, you should do thing. the most. Because I said I've been through so much. Right. And then this is the thing I need you to be aware of is that, I mean, we can keep doing these, you know, whenever at your convenience, you just keep doing it. Cause you're, I think my viewers are going to like you, your stories. Cause you have a really crazy fucking stories. And, oh, uh, but my only thing heard is San Francisco one. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of San Francisco ones that are hilarious. Right. Well, my thing is, so you are telling me, I mean, I don't want to keep you too long. It, it's, I was going to let you go around 1030. Just That's so fine. Make it, is that just if I you want to bullet you? point this and maybe do want do more on what you really like in San Francisco, when I finally moved up there, I was um, coming home from South of the market. I don't know if you're familiar with San Francisco. No. Uh, at that time, South of the market was where they had, at that time it was unincorporated. It was warehouses. And um, I was my best friend at that time left me at a club and I had not been up there very much. And I didn't know where I was. Mm -hmm. 
I, I didn't know South America. So it was four o'clock and I had to be at work at nine. And I worked on uh, on market uh, near the near Wall Street. And um, so um, I walked outside and it was that that fog, that San Francisco fog that you can maybe see four feet in front of you. You don't even bother looking up. You couldn't see a thing. I mean, barely could see the, the lights. If there was any lights on the streets, you could barely see them. I could hear the boys in the bay. That's how I knew what was behind me. That's the only way I knew what was behind me, which was water. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what was ahead of me. There was a gentleman walking in front of me, like a skinhead. He had no hair, leather jacket. And I literally said, excuse me. I said, excuse me to him pretty loud, like four times. And I just wanted to know, am I going the right way to Market Street? Because I figured I could get a bus, get me home. And I had my bus pass in my pocket. And he wouldn't stop. So finally, I ran and I hit him in the head really hard with my fist. I said, God damn it, son of a bitch. I'm talking to you. He said, damn, ouch. And like, he's all bitching about me hitting him. He says, why'd you hit me? I said, why didn't you answer me? He goes, I'm ignoring you. <laughs> I'm just like, why? <laughs> he goes, because you're bugging me. I said, okay, I'm just trying to get to market. He goes, I'm taking you there. I said, well, how did I know this? And so from there, we started a friendship. And... um. I ended up dating him, but it was kind of interesting. I ended up staying with that night. He let me crash, gave me a clean shirt to wear to work. So he worked literally, he lived like two blocks away from where I worked. Gave me a shirt to wear, I went to work. And I came back and it was about seven. He goes, I got to go to work. And I, he, and I said, what do you do? And he was hired by EDM clubs to sell, um, X and stuff. He didn't do it. He just was hired mm-hmm. and paid really well um, by club owners to come in, supply, and go to the next club. That was his job. Wow. Um, and he uh, literally uh, was one of the kindest men I ever met. Wow. Um, That's an interesting I believe he died of AIDS first. by now. Oh, he had AIDS. Oh, wow, really? So he, yes. he's one of the, the casualties of, of your... Yeah, and, and he knew. He told me right He told me right at the get-go. I said, okay. Like, I knew the rules. I mean, I, it was not new to me. He'd been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, he literally lived in that kind of place where the bathroom was at the end of the hall. Like, he just had a sink and a bed oh, okay. in his room. That was it. A little hot plate. It was a little... Uh, a little uh, apartment place on market. And I have to tell you, I was living at that time in the Tenderloin. And I just loved being there because I felt it more, uh, it fit more. It just kind of seemed more like what I, where I should be there. I was never comfortable at all the places I was at. Mm-hmm. In the mission, I lived in the mission for a while. And then I, into Tenderloin, but that's a whole different story. And that one goes back to just ending up talking him and I into a hit of acid at six o'clock at night. 
and getting on the 955 to San Diego for Christmas. And I never went back. Um, flying on acid is something interesting. Um, but in between that, a lot of story. So there's tons of stories. I would tell you the beginning of it all. Yes, the beginning of my awareness was when I was 16 at Jerry's Hall. Coming all the way to today, where I'm still learning. Um, I may walk at a slower pace, but I haven't forgotten very much. Um, music will always be my life. So um, everything I used to listen to, I still do. Mm -hmm. I don't know very much about new music because I just am so comfortable with my old music. And um, except for one side of um, Ziggy Stardust um, cassette that got stuck in my roommate slash ex-girlfriend's car and it only would play one side. It wouldn't play the radio or nothing. If you turned it on, it would only play this cassette. <laughs> one side over and over and it's like six songs that we never we both agree we just never want to hear again as long as we live <laughs> but that's a whole different era yeah yeah that's interesting um there's a you know joey there's so much there, we're just barely skimming it right well, this is a this is a skim of what it all can be and what there is in there there's a yeah. lot of layers not that I'm many, fabulous, because I'm more. not fabulous at all. Not uh, you're 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 definitely interesting. You have a lot of interesting stories. That's I did interesting things. I was very lucky to make it through most of it. I have now a very very small circle of friends. Um, all I met when I was seventeen. I'm sixty five now. Um, each of us hold amazing stories. They're very funny. Uh, some are sad. Some of us are gone and, and, and they're missed daily, literally daily. Um, but pretty much everything that you could, everything I could touch and burn my finger on, I did. Uh, and every little, every little pocket be it music, scene, place to be, I tried. I was there, I tried, I stayed, or I left. So I can pretty much go around the board as to what. Um, even going down to uh, becoming really good friends with the, I used to like to go to leather bars for after hours. And I would go after shows and have my leather jacket on and stuff. And, I knew a lot, of, a lot of my friends hung out there. That's why I went, who um, just went there after hours. But I always came in. They were disco thing. I was still kind of doing the punk rock stuff. And the owner said, look, if you bring friends like yours in for after hours, all guys, I don't care, straight or not, I'll serve you guys beer and we'll play your music. Because they wanted that atmosphere. So I tell my friends, next thing you know, there'd be like eight, eight to 20 of us coming in for after hours on a Saturday night. And that place literally turned into what it should have been. 
uh, bunch of skinheads. I was just rolling with it, just getting drunk at four in the morning, illegally playing punk rock and making it fun. And then, um, then it just changed, like everything else. Yeah. Um, once people started dying, everything else started dying out too. And then the very end being, um, at the beginning of the undergrounds that were a little more legal that were downtown on Fourth and Island and in those areas. Um, I met amazing friends, a lot of artists, which I've always known down there. And um, great little shops where you could get really great food and clothing and stuff. And the next thing you know, I moved away and they put a big old ballpark on it. Nobody left. I have no idea where anybody's at. I still haven't seen the ballpark. That's how much resent I have for the fact that they placed it right on top of everything I loved. All my people, other shops, everything, their lofts, the art parties I went to, the rap parties I went to, uh, some of the gallery shows that I was invited to attend. Uh, the first Soma was down there mm. off of Island. Uh, 18 and up, where a lot of new bands would, would begin. So there was a lot of history. It kept going downtown. I kept going. Um, just spread my wings out a little bit more. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing your, your stories. I really like, like I said, like, this, this can actually be nothing, which is fine, because I know I was all over the board. No, but no, it gives you a better idea as to where to, like, if you want to get deep into something, you can. Well, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll schedule it for later. We'll, 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 like, I'll text you and we'll bullet point stuff and have a more clear, uh, but well, this is great. I, I really, this is, this is actually perfect. This is actually great. Good. I think it's really great to hear uh, these little stories speckled out because that's something that, um, these are different stories that I'm hearing from when you, we talked, you know, I mean, like, like some, some of the same, but most are different. Very, and then but, you had mentioned really briefly back when we, we first met about the A, you lost a lot of friends um, to the AIDS epidemic. And I, I, I really almost, I've almost forgot about that. So you mentioned it again. And I'm, I'm that, that's something that I would like to go into as well is hearing like, like, uh, you know, where, where it, how it erupted, you know, you kind of mentioned, you kind of mentioned it, but like, we'll talk about that next time, how you, you know, how it came into your life. You saw like an article in the newspaper. That's crazy. And then how it, it was literally you. maybe, sorry, sorry. And how how you understood, how you understood, like you're saying, like you went, you jumped from that to how you knew it, you knew people with it. So you knew that a nurses wouldn't want to go in the room, but you did because you knew it. But like, how did you know it? Like, like that's what I want to know too. Like, like how did you end up well, getting into that? By then, mode? by then the word had already. Well, next time I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying next time. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Like, like, so yeah. Time. That but, that part that part was the most interesting, probably the most sad. Uh, was just seeing how many people literally. Um, some people didn't care. Some people didn't mind. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. Some people did. But that makes my sense. Mom's, my mom got my mom is the same. She took in, regardless of who you were, she took care of you. And right now, I can't tell you how many, how many 
mom as she is to people that don't have a mom anymore. Um, that all stems back to the fact that she was probably the first uh, accepting mom, like at one point, punk rock days, it was, it was the norm for me to show up at my parents' house at seven in the morning with about eight to 12 punk rock friends descending on into my sister's bedroom when my mom started making lots of Mexican food for us, lots. And um, totally accepting to it. So when it comes to like, uh, that's another great aspect where it really could be a form of people, of parents that accept. Think of that, like it, when your son is 18 and his best friend, when you're, both your son's best friend is reassigned, has no family to go to, they open the house and says, stay with us. Right. My brother and I didn't live at home anymore. Right. It was kind of trippy. Uh, I have a good memory. Um, we'll never name names. I'm not going to point fingers. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's born a certain way. You just are what you are. Um, I'm very fortunate, like very fortunate to grow up in a household where when I was walking out of my house with my blue hair and my mom said, what a beautiful color of blue. And my dad said, oh, shit. And just went back to watching this game. You know what? That was it. Um, amazing friends. I'm still here. So I'm not. If you ever want to get into underground, I will connect you and see if a person who will blow you away with her stories. Okay. You know, yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, She's the one, she can really tell you about map points and all that. She was very into that. Um, I thought it was too much of a runaround. I just waited until somebody said, here, this is where it's at. I was lazy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I'd, be, I'd give up. <laughs> See, that's the what they one. wanted you to do. <laughs> yeah. They wanted you to give up. So the people that did show up, they were genuine. Right. And um, like I said, it was... Uh, they're all little stories. And gladly I'm working on it. I've been working on that book for years, keeping all those little stories. That's amazing. Take thank care. you. David, thank you so much. This is amazing. Thank you. I'll text you. Um, we'll, we'll keep in touch and we'll, we'll do another one. All at, right. At your convenience. You just let me know what you want, what you want and how down to the bone you want it. 100%. Because I have no limit. Yeah, I'm not yeah, afraid of exposing. I know that. I'm not afraid of exposing myself. No, thank you so much, David. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We'll do another one. I, thank All you right. so much for this. Thank take you. Care of yourself. Peace yeah, out. You take care too.